Welcome to the Nude Attitude, where we shatter the mirrored ceiling, worship our sexy selves, and talk about all things holy. This is a safe place where we will be throwing around confidence like confetti and applauding people flaunting their bodies no matter the size, color, gender, or ability. I'm your host, Madeline Gregg, and we're about to dive into the lady pond or whatever gender you prefer to sink into. So raise your glasses high and cheers to your slut side in this nude revolution. So we're going to start with some icebreakers. What's your name and what do you prefer to be called? My name is Kelsey Dennis, and I prefer the she, her, hers pronouns. Jumped right ahead. Uh, What's your sexual orientation? I am heterosexual. What's your favorite position? Favorite position. You know, I like to switch it up a lot. But I would say anything where the control's being taken from me a little bit. Yes. What's the last one you watched? The last porn I watched? Honestly, I don't watch much of it at all. I mean, my husband and I have a pretty active sex life. And between being a mom of little ones and working and having that active sex life, there's just not time for it. (laughs) Unfortunately being in quarantine like with family it's like definitely killed my masturbation drive like I can't even take right. a shit by myself do you really think that I'm going to be able to carve out oh, yeah. like, five minutes <laughs> I mean literally between the kids in my house and the animals in my house I can't go into the bathroom alone someone is always popping their head in or you know throwing the shower curtain back asking me what I'm doing there is no alone time at this point yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what's the most amount of people you've had sex with at one time one pretty boring sorry (laughs) (laughs) I exclusively had like sexual deviance on here don't worry about it uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you're like yeah sure I've listened a little bit <laughs> I have <laughs> the most attractive feature is the most attractive feature um I would say honestly probably shoulders and hands for me I like big broad shoulders and larger hands so and also like your most attractive feature oh see I'm going into my partner my most attractive feature oh see this is where that self-love work comes in because it's hard to it's hard to pick one sometimes right yeah I'm gonna go with probably my face like my eyes all of that what feature do you struggle to love the most oh goodness I would say probably my abdomen um, and my legs. I've always been a little self-conscious about my legs. I was a soccer player and, you know, hold more muscle mass there. And I've always wanted the the thinner look and yeah. since kids and having twins and a C-section, my abdomen is just not where I would like it to be anymore. Yeah. 
And as like a fellow twin mom, it's just, yeah. And the internet honestly doesn't help. Like all of the snaps culture of especially mm-hmm. really, really toxic. And I don't feel like it's talked about yes. enough of like, yeah. And I will say I've been seeing more and more of people trying to be transparent about, you know, that's not the reality and you're, you're really able to work some magic with posing and lighting and, you know, all kinds of things. But, but yeah, you're right. It's really toxic and it's, it's hard, especially when you've had multiple children inside of you at once, (laughs) it it does something to you. right? (laughs) Honestly, that's why I try to post as many photos of my stomach as I do, (laughs) because I'm like, this is, this is actually what it looks like two years postpartum for most people. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I've been loving all the photos you've been posting. It's inspiring me to look into some boudoir shoots of my own. Yeah, I love hearing that. I really, really do. Um, what feature do you notice in someone that you're attracted to first? You said shoulders. Okay. Yes. So we'll go, we'll go back to what I was answering before. <laughs> I really I like the broad shoulders. I like the big hands and well-groomed hands as well. Like I I don't know. It's a thing for me. If your hands are not well groomed, I just I, I'm not a fan. So, so you're not into like the mechanics hands. No. And like, I don't know on a partner. I just want like the short, well-groomed nails. Like if there's dirt and things like that, it just really so like gets to me. Though. So do you like painted nails on a man? Um, honestly, my partner has never felt the need to paint his nails, never wanted to. And I've never been with someone who has, so I've never given it too much thought. I don't think that I would care either way, honestly, you know, really fascinating. Um, yeah just wondering because like when my partner who's a cisgender male when he painted his nails for the, the first time which he usually keeps his uh-huh. like hands pretty well groomed he's a carpenter so like his uh-huh. hands have to stay like pretty short and like his hands right. are <laughs> sanded down basically because he works with wood a lot right um, and he painted his nails just because like I was and he was just like hey I want to try that I was like yeah good. yeah yeah he painted his nails I was like that's fucking sexy do that again yeah (laughs) like actually I was just wondering if you had the same thing going on although I'm like one of those things so like I understand being attracted yeah so yeah right yeah Yeah. for me it's like you know it's one of those things that I've never really confronted because it's never been within you know, any of my experiences. So it's, it's an interesting thing to think about and really kind of like pushing yourself out of your personal experiences. And like, you know, what, what would that do for me, if anything, you know? And also sidetrack a little bit, you have been with your partner for a very long time, right? Yes. Um, it'll be 11 years this spring since we were 19 freshman year of college. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you've, we've been with our partners for the same amount of time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. For anybody listening, we know each other from um, college. We were in the same sorority. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It it does. It kind of like, it boxes you in a little bit when you're with the same person for that long, because you get so used to just like their stuff. I'm like, gosh, what would it be like to experience something other than him at this point? You know, I spent my entire twenties, I just turned 30 in October, spent my entire twenties with this same man, you know, I don't know. Right. 
And um, the last question is, how do you unwind? How do I unwind? Um, you know, it's, it's funny because it's something that I'm really being intentional about with clients right now is focusing on how to really show yourself intentional self-care, you know, like making sure that you're doing self-care in a way that's really actually going to fill your cup. And it's not something that feels like an obligation or an added stressor when you're thinking about these things. Yeah. So I've really through all of this gotten to know like my own personal love languages and the way that I can intentionally show love to myself. So a lot of times it's through like self-massage or even if I'm sitting there, one of my top love languages is gift giving. So sometimes I really like to sit there and just online shop like mindlessly, you know, and just like treat myself to a few things. Yes. And then sometimes, you know, if my kids have been extra, extra, sometimes I just need to sit in the dark and the quiet, (laughs) like, you know, not have any type of stimulation whatsoever for a little bit. Sometimes that's the best way to unwind at the end of a long day with three kids, five and under, you know, (laughs) I really do. (laughs) And I think talking like self-care and I feel like we'll probably talk about self-care a little bit later in this episode, but yes. And I feel like moms really fall into like this pattern of like being like, Oh, I took a shower. Hashtag self-care. No, bitch. That's not self-care. That's like, (laughs) yes, that is just basic survival skills like we can we can do a little bit better than that for self-care yeah or like oh I had a warm cup of coffee hashtag self-care like no yeah no nope. no you that's not that is just a self yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that's where it's like we are just surrounded by so much guilt and shame and you know I work with a lot of women so we talk a lot about like feminine wounding and, you know, where that comes from, from society and from our families of origin and things like that. But really across the board, regardless of how you identify, you know, what your sex is, what your gender is, any of it, there's so much guilt and shame in our society for pretty much everything we do that we get so wrapped up in it and so wrapped up in self-loathing that it becomes almost like taboo to really love yourself and take care of yourself. And you sit there and you feel guilty the entire time you're doing it. Yep. And it's like, no, no, I'm not going to feel guilty for loving myself. I'm, I'm pretty awesome. And I deserve it. Right. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the platform. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the brand. Yes. Welcome. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I asked you to be on, um, this podcast because you, I'm, I, I don't even know all of your qualifications, so I'm going to let you spill <laughs> all of your knowledge yeah. right, right now. So whip out all your degrees. <laughs> yeah. So I am a, I've got a bachelor's and master's in social work. Um, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. So I work as a mental health therapist. Um, for my full-time job. And beyond my degrees and my clinical licensure, I have lots of experience in generalized mood disorders, um, working with parenting, working with personality disorders, and some advanced training and certification 
complications in sexual dysfunction, perinatal mood disorders, and child development, child welfare. Yes. So through all of that, that certification <laughs> yeah. landed you here to talk about um, <laughs> health during the holidays, which is extremely important and something that is very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, because yes. as somebody who grew up in a home that um, was rough around um, family times, um, I feel like there's a very strong need to put um, the word out there that there is a safe place for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Your worst day is not, shouldn't be your last day. Um, right. You are important. Um, there's a community out there for everybody and um, you are a good person no matter what. Um, Absolutely. So- Yes. So that's a little bit what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about um, some boundaries and how to make those important boundaries, how to find your community um, and how to how to love yourself when you're struggling, struggling to do so. Yes. So um, it's no secret around the holiday suicide rates go up. Am I right? Absolutely. I mean, you've got a lot happening. Go ahead. I was just that you've got a lot happening around the holidays. You know, we're heading into a time of the year where there's not as much sun readily available for that vitamin D. A lot of people are starting to struggle with, you know, seasonal affective disorder, which increases any underlying mood disorders you're already struggling with predominantly, you know, anxiety and depression. Right. Which and is then, like depression, you know, but like fancy depression. Right, right. (laughs) And then, you know, we've got the whole added family dynamic, right? Either people grieving the fact that they can't be around their families, maybe, and have the traditional holiday experience that gets posted all over social media and, you know, media in general, right? The commercials, the movies, all of that. Um, Or being forced into situations where they're around their family, but they're feeling not accepted, not loved and things that maybe some beliefs that have been pushed on in their entire life are really exacerbated during this time, you know, and start creating those deep feelings of shame and guilt over things that no one needs to feel ashamed or guilty over. Mm Yeah, I think what you said in the beginning of, of course, um, the social media and the social aspects of, you know, this is family um, and kind of like normalizing family when, you know, that's not really normal for a lot of people, you know, Um, a lot of Americans don't have a very safe family life. They don't have a very loving family life, or if they do right now, they didn't in the past. So it might be hard for them to like go back and have family get togethers or holidays with their family and forget mm-hmm. about what's happened in the past, forget about their childhood growing right. up with their parents um, or growing up in situations that they didn't necessarily feel comfortable with. Um, so how do you, right. how do you make that boundary and how do you, how do you accept or move on? Because like, it's not, it's not your responsibility to just forgive them off the bat or forget what, right happened with boundaries it can be something very tricky to figure out because a lot of us when we are in 
toxic or just difficult, unhealthy relationships, we get really caught up in what the other person is doing or not doing in yeah, the relationship. A lot of like, you've done this to me. You've like, yeah. Yes. And it just gets us in this really negative thought pattern that starts feeling very defeating. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no way that we can move forward with anything, right? Even just like simple interactions with this other person. Mm-hmm. So for me and what I try and teach my clients is turning the focus inward, right? Knowing that it's not my responsibility. I don't have to forgive this person. I don't have to forgive and forget. And we really shouldn't just forget, right? That can be really unsafe to just forget, you know, everything that can be very unsafe. So we don't really want to do that. But um, also understanding that a lot of times the issue is not you. It's something that that other person is struggling with that they're projecting on you and causing, you know, these arguments or these tense situations to put, put it off from them and onto someone else to help themselves feel better about whatever's going on. Yeah. Um, And I get into a lot of mindfulness in my work with my clients. The things that really help as far as mindfulness with this is learning how to be non-judgmental over other people, situations, yourself, your emotions, how to validate yourself and your emotional experiences and how to accept reality. Mm-hmm. None of that means that you are approving of what's going on or liking it, but it all leads to being able to decrease the pain that you're experiencing and the painful emotions that are being triggered so that you increase your resiliency and increase your ability to tolerate the uncomfortable emotions, the uncomfortable situations. So at the end of the day, even though it sucked, you hated it, you're still standing and you're going to be okay. I love that. And as far as I got, I got a little off topic with how to actually do <laughs> the boundaries. Sorry. No, but- <laughs> I think it's really, really important because like the way that my mind was going with this is like, and what you just said was really, really impactful. It kind of sounded like you were, you know, practicing for a marathon, you know, you were like building yeah. up all of these tendencies and like you were building up resilience. So like you could like have a little bit more time with like this person who mm-hmm. has been toxic or has been hurtful in the past with you because you're building up more boundaries within and of yourself. Mm -hmm. You're understanding that, you know, they have issues that are not my issues. And it sounds like it's just a little bit at a time and that's Mm -hmm. that's how it goes. Well, and once you really like like, master, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I was just gonna say, once you really (laughs) master these things, we're just going to keep interrupting each other. Quite honestly. Once you get these things down, it, it allows you to, we, we develop. So I'm also like an intuitive empath and do like energy work outside of my therapy work. So you may hear me talk a lot about like energetic workings. Yeah. So throughout our lives, we develop these like energetic blockages from all of the beliefs that are shoved on us and the emotions that we stuff down because we're told from a very young age, like, you know, it's not okay to behave that way. It's not okay to feel that way. You know, what are we taught in our society? It's not okay to be angry. You don't want to be mean, right? Don't be a mean person. Be happy, be nice. Mm -hmm. 
don't be sad. No one wants to listen to you cry. You're making other people uncomfortable. Stop throwing a fit. Like Mm -hmm. just move on, get Mm -hmm. over it. Right. Mm -hmm. And don't be anxious or afraid about anything. Cause then you're, you're weak. It's annoying. You're holding other people back. Right. You know, all of these things that we're told throughout our lives. So then we stuff because everything feels unsafe. It's not okay to be this way. People aren't going to like me. I can't show this. It's not safe. So we Mm -hmm. stuff, 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 and it creates these little blockages all in our body that contribute to a lot of our physical and mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. And so as we're doing these things, it's allowing us to get to the root of what's causing some of our triggers Mm-hmm. And then we can work through that and release some of these blockages. And as you're able to do that, you get solid enough in yourself that it becomes a lot easier to have those healthy boundaries with people and be sure enough of yourself to say, you know what, this isn't for me. This conversation does not feel safe to me. This is not contributing to my overall health and safety. So I'm going to ask you to stop and I'm going to walk away from this conversation because you're not respecting my boundaries. Yeah. And I think what's so important, especially like when talking to somebody who um, has like triggered you like that, <laughs> uh, it's like yeah. being very monotone and being very simple and like keeping it clean mm-hmm. and like saying like, I've, my cup is full. Like you filled it. I'm yep. done. Thank you so much. Yep. We're done. <laughs> yep. And just not engaging with yeah. them. Because, you know, the more you engage, the more it's just going to keep going and getting more and more toxic. And you can just, like you said, keep it monotone, keep it simple. No, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. You know, I'm, I don't need any more of this. Yeah. I think what you said in the beginning of like, you know, whoever is like impacting you like this, you know, they probably have hurt feelings and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's really, really true because I think we're taught at a very young age, like hurt people, hurt people, which is true. Yes. I think I read something earlier this year and it was like, hurt people aren't allowed to hurt other people. Hurt people aren't supposed to make hurt people which really yes. blew my mind. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. Hurt people aren't supposed to make other hurt people. Why? I was taught something yes. else. Hurt people yes. hurt people. Oh, okay. Yes. Hurt you know, I always, I like to, to <laughs> I like to, because in my, in my work, I have worked a lot in the field of child welfare. So I'm working a lot like in the foster care system, um, families who have, you know, open CPS cases, things like that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of dysfunction, a lot of trauma, all of that. Mm -hmm. I always liked to explain to my parents that I'm working with, you know, because a lot of them have huge trauma histories that have led to the situation they're in with their kids or, you know, they're dealing, they're dealing with traumatized kids who have a lot of behaviors coming out of that trauma Absolutely. Our trauma, our trauma is an explanation for our behavior. It's not an excuse for it. Mm-hmm. We can look at our behavior and say, okay, this is why this is happening. My experiences are valid. My emotions are valid. I can understand the reasoning behind this. So then I can go about changing it. Cause mm-hmm. once we know better, we should strive to do better. Humans are not for hurting, right? Humans are not for hurting. We don't want to hurt ourselves. We don't want to hurt other humans. So that's what's at the basis of all of it. Yeah. So we talked about a little bit about, you know, 
families that don't necessarily get along or families that have had yeah. maybe um, a hard history. What about families that aren't, aren't getting together for the holidays and want to um, and can't because of this quarantine? What do you say? Right. To it's, it's really hard this year, right? It's really hard because people are being separated that aren't used to being separated. People who are used to having maybe, you know, a certain support system and it's been taken away because of this virus and this quarantine. Yeah. And when I say you've family, got it, it doesn't have to be like birth family. It can be chosen family because I know for a lot of my listeners, right. um, they have chosen family. It's whether they're be, it's because they're LGBTQ plus or because um, mm-hmm. they're, they just simply don't get along with their family and they found a community um, that supports them in other ways. Um, but regardless, yeah family, family is your own, your own making. So just, yeah, your, your experiences and your, who you choose to be your family is valid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that kind of going back to the social media and just media in general, it doesn't have to look like what our society and our culture deems to be the norm. Right. Because what's normal anymore? (laughs) I mean, really what's normal anymore? It is, And as we're shifting into, again, we know better at this point. So as a society, I feel like even though there is a lot of work to still be done, I feel like a lot of us are actively trying to do better. And sometimes that means moving away from some of our relationships with family members that we realize are toxic, that we didn't realize before Mm -hmm. we knew the things we know now, right? But back to kind of like what I would say to people who can't be getting together with their families, um, whatever that looks like for the holidays this year. COVID, which is probably a lot of it important thing right now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of it is going back to these skills of being able to, you know, recognize different judgments you're having in this case, a lot over your own emotions, right? Your own emotional experiences and being able to get to a place of not judging those emotions, validating what you're feeling and understanding what you're feeling. Because if we don't understand the emotional experiences we're having, they end up just kind of like festering like an open wound and then causing bigger and bigger and bigger issues as they continue to spread and grow. Um, And then, you know, being able to really work again toward that reality acceptance. And once you, once you accept the reality, again, not approve of the reality, not say, okay, well, quarantine has caused us not to be together. So the holidays are just going to suck and I'm going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do that. We can just say, okay, this is horrible. I don't like it. It is uncomfortable, but it is what it is, right? It is happening. So let's figure out a way things that are within our control to make our reality a little bit better, figure out ways that you can change your reality, whether that's doing, you know, a Zoom Thanksgiving, yeah. a Zoom. Oh. Um, I'm assuming we'll be here for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just we're, we're lucky enough to have all of the technology that we have right now and just figuring out ways to make that work, you know, figuring out ways to still be able to utilize your support systems. Mm -hmm. And through that too, being, 
being intentional about how you're loving yourself and taking care of yourself through all this. Cause it's going to take a toll, no matter how positive you try and be, no matter how, you know, how mindful you try and be and how much you try and do the reality acceptance and all of that, it's going to take its toll. Yeah. We are, if you're, if you're listening and at all familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it shows kind of the, the levels we have to go through of needs we have to get met before we can move to the next highest level. Yes. So at the base, you have just like your basic survival needs, right? Mm-hmm. And then safety needs and then love it. Look, I'm like quizzing myself now. <laughs> Got to remember it off the top of my head because I brought it up. Uh, <laughs> your love and belonging needs, uh, your esteem needs, and then your self-actualization, right? So with this pandemic, with this quarantine, most of us have been knocked down a few levels. Mm-hmm. And the point of all this is you cannot move to the next level of getting certain needs met without the first level being met first. So if your basic survival needs are not being met, you can't do any of the higher level things. If your safety needs aren't being met, you know, if you are worried about your health, if you are worried about your financial security, if you're worried about having a roof over your head or not having enough food to eat, you cannot move up to the next level of having your love and belonging needs met. Right. So so we've really got to understand. Yeah. And so we've all been knocked down at least a few levels. None of us are at the point of being self-actualized and doing all the creative things and, you know, (laughs) being, we, we don't have the capacity for it right now. We're surviving Uh, and that's okay. It's okay to be in that place. So we just have to really be understanding where we are at and getting a little bit more creative on how we are getting our needs met and figuring out what we can do to get those needs met during this time. Cause unfortunately there's not an easy answer of being like, well, just, you know, go be with your family anyway. Yeah. I know some people are choosing to do that, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Like just do zoom and call it a night. You know, that's really, it's not good enough, you know, cause some of us have lost some members, family members via COVID, you know, and we're not getting their dishes, you know, they're like signature holiday dishes or whatever it might be. And to top it off, like we're seeing other family members via a computer screen, you know? So I think, Overall, it's just, you have to really, 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 really give yourself some grace. You have to go back to think of like, okay, how can I learn from this? How can I give myself some, (laughs) I'm like going very like BDSM right now. How can I give myself some aftercare from this very rough scene? (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. I like, mean, really though, really though. Yeah. <laughs> like, where is my <laughs> chocolate? Like, how can I love myself a little yeah. bit more? I, should like I go for yes. a ride? Like, what is the way that I'm going to be able to unwind mm-hmm. and love myself and really focus on myself and focus on like, how am I going to be able to be okay right now? Yeah. And for the next couple I mean, days. Let's face it. Like you said the zoom stuff sucks. Like we are lucky in the fact that we have that option. Right. Cause even a few years ago, like we wouldn't have had that option to even be able to like see people face to face, but you know, that's where it comes back to that. We can accept the reality so that we can, you know, move forward and not get stuck in it and stuck in these negative thought patterns that are at the end of the day are just harming us. 
but we don't have to approve on it. I know I've said that like a thousand times already, but it's so important to understand that just because you are being mindful and acknowledging what's going on and not judging it, you know, you're saying, okay, even with emotions, I'm feeling super pissed off right now because of X, Y, and Z. And it's okay. That doesn't mean you're going to just sit in it, you know, and wallow in it, right. but you're accepting it so that you can start moving forward. Cause it doesn't do us any good to just get stuck. It's so funny because that's what I tell people when they come to me and they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm having such a hard time loving my body. And I'm like, okay, let's like dissect mm-hmm. this. What are you struggling yes. to love? And we'll go through the whole thing. And they're like, I'm struggling to love my, it's usually their stomach. I'm like, why are you struggling with love your stomach? And like, we'll go through the whole thing. I'm like, okay, well, let's accept it. Like, let's go through through the steps to accept it because you don't have to like it. Like newsflash, you don't have to like your stomach. It's just one, it's just one part of you. Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. the holidays, it's just one day. Your stomach is just one part. You just have to accept that one day. You just have to accept Mm -hmm. that one part of you. You don't have to like it. Eventually you might, you just have to move on with it. It's going to be fine. It's just one. I could not agree more. I mean, that's, that's the base of mindfulness, right. And being able to really just be present and be resilient and to bounce back from the crappy things that are bound to happen. Cause I mean, it does not matter who you are in this world. You're going to have bad days. Bad things are going to happen because that's just, it is what it is. Right. But it doesn't have to define your existence. It doesn't have to define your life. This one bad day or this one bad year is not the end all be all. We are going to have better days. We're going to be able to move on. And like you said, we just have to accept it for what it is right now and work within our reality, work within what we have instead of fighting against what the reality is. Because what do we get from fighting reality? I really, I really, really want to address this specifically. I think, and I don't, I don't want to sound ableist in the slightest because I do understand Mm -hmm. that mental health, it is just as bad as any physical disability it is yes. just as bad. So having a knock of serotonin and an imbalance of hormones, like depression mm-hmm. and like having a bad couple days just because of the holidays, it's totally different, you mm-hmm. know, and having yes, yes, like clinical depression on top yeah. of really yes. bad holidays. It is, mm-hmm. it is different, you know? Um so what do you say to people already struggling with mental health, um, whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder, um, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety? I mean, we could go on with the list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, what it comes down to is don't be afraid or don't be too proud to mm-hmm. seek out help and whatever that looks like for you. Don't yeah, be afraid of medication. Problem. Don't be too proud Mm -hmm. to take medication. And the thing to remember about medication is it doesn't have to be a forever thing. I always tell my clients, because I am not one, I'm not a prescriber. Um, As an LCSW, I do not prescribe medications, but I'm not one to like, you know, push medicine on my clients. You know, if they think that they can function without it, cool. We're going to work with that. We're going to work through what's going on. However, if you are struggling to just function, on a day-to-day basis, 
then you are in that bottom tier of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. You cannot move beyond that without stabilizing a little bit. You cannot do the rest of the work you need to do to kind of be able to move forward with things and be able to just feel a little bit better without a little bit of stabilization. So if medicine can help you do that, it can be a goal if you want it to be to eventually be able to stop taking it. Right. Yeah. So none of these decisions that we sometimes have to make Mm -hmm. when we're really struggling, none of it is like a life sentence, right? It's just something that we're doing right now to get to the next day. Yeah. And that's all you have to worry about is what can I do in this present moment to get to the next moment, to get to the next day. And then we can start looking at, you know, what can I do to get to the next week, the next month, the next year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you are able to find, that's the hard part, finding a good provider, right. And finding someone who gels with you and works well with you and all of those things. If you're able to get that down, a lot of times you can start seeing the light again. Because like you said, it can be really hard when you're dealing with all of these different things, plus the added stressors yeah, of it's quarantine, not, it doesn't global get pandemic, just within a month, the holidays, you know, no, it's, it's a roller coaster. No, what you said earlier with like preparing, preparing for a marathon, that's what you're doing yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to combat these things. Yeah. And it's not just a magic pill. It like, it also takes counseling and it doesn't, it takes, mm-hmm. it, I mean, you have to find like, I hate saying it, but like the perfect cocktail, you have to find like what's going to work best yes. with your hormonal imbalance and what works best with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, you're not going to get a magic bottle and just, you know, have it all work, you know, Yeah. unfortunately. And, you know, even, time. even outside of like medication, talking about your providers or, you know, whatever works for you, whether that's a therapist whether it is an energy worker, whether it is whoever, right? Whatever works best for you is what I'm an advocate for. Whatever feels best and whatever gets you to the next moment and feels feels good to you is yeah. what I'm going to advocate for. Oh, of yeah. course, you know, there's like nothing wrong something that's not self, self-destructive. Yeah. And there's also yeah. like nothing wrong with like shopping around with, like, with what works best for you, whether it is. Yes, like, that's therapy. exactly. Yeah that's exactly where I was going with that is like, it's okay to go in and see someone and be like, I'm just not feeling it. Cause if you don't build a solid relationship with your therapist, it's not going to work. Right. You've got to trust that person to open up like the deepest shadows of yourself and just leave it all on the table. So if you don't feel safe, walk away, it's not a big deal. And a good therapist should be okay with that. I tell my clients like back when I was doing private practice, I'm not anymore, but back when I was doing private practice, I would lead with that in sessions. You know, it is okay. If you're not feeling it with me, that's okay. I can give you a referral to somebody else. I can help you find someone else who might be a better fit for you because my, my ego is not a part of this, right? The Mm -hmm. healing of the individual seeking help is what's most important in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, honestly, I've been to so many different therapists because I never found one I vibed with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not hard. working. On really the next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, next, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, next, okay. <laughs> do I just go to the next room or like, what do I do now? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can 
can you just rotate out for me so I don't have to keep getting up? That would be great. Yeah. Like, do I, do you want, like, do we just swap? Is it, do I just yeah. number or? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And sometimes it can feel like that. It can feel like you're speed dating or something when you're trying to find yeah. the right person. It does feel but like it's really important. Yeah. And also like the type of therapy that they do is important as well. Right. Because everyone has kind of their niche mm-hmm. and also like not being afraid to ask, like, what types of certifications do you have? What types of training do you have, you know, to see if it's going to fit with your specific issues, right? What you're trying to work on. Cause it just, as an example, like the perinatal mood disorder stuff that I, you know, work in and have the advanced training in mm-hmm. all of that is basically dealing with, um, the time period from birth to the first year of life you know, and you're working with the mom and all of the things that can come up with that. If you're going into a therapist who does not have that specific training. So if they don't have that specific training, they're not going to be able to help you as well as someone who does. So again, it's, it's okay to be interviewing them. It's okay to be asking them all the questions. They're going to ask you tons and tons and tons of questions to assess what's going on. And you know, it's going to feel really invasive. Interview them too. Of course, they're probably not going to answer personal questions, right? Because that would be not yeah. very ethical. Yeah. But <laughs> ask them, you know, all of the professional questions and about their experience and about their certifications and all of that, because it's important. And really, at the end of the day, they're, they're working to help you, right? So yeah. you deserve to know what's going on with them. Yeah, absolutely through all this, through mental health and quarantine and through literally everything that we've talked about, I think it's been a really good conversation. Do you have any closing remarks for people who are struggling with this specific topic during the holidays? You know, I think the most important thing right now is to remember that who you are and where you're at right now is okay. It's okay to be feeling whatever you're feeling, to be experiencing whatever you're experiencing. It does not have to be something else to be ashamed of or to feel guilty about. Our experiences are valid. And when we can get to a point of realizing that and validating ourselves, who we are, what we're feeling, what we're experiencing, validate it without judgment, and understand that it's okay, we can then start to do all of the acceptance we've been talking about this whole time and just working to move forward to the next moment. Again, figuring out what can I do in this present moment to get to the next moment? You don't have to worry about, you know, well, where am I going to be six months from now? What is going to be happening two years from now? Is any of this ever going to end? Is any of it ever going to get any better? Because it causes a spiral right? Just focus on this moment and what you can do in this moment to move to the next moment. And sometimes that means asking for help, whether that's contacting, you know, national suicide hotline, whether it is utilizing the Trevor project, whatever you need to do in this moment to get to the next moment is okay. And is nothing to be ashamed of. I love that. Thank you so much for talking with me. Of course. Thank you for having me on. I'm so flattered to be thought of for this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, yeah. (laughs) That was so (laughs) weird.
Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Nude Attitude, a podcast focusing on radical body acceptance and anti-slut shaming from a true hoe. If you want to interact with upcoming episodes, ask questions, or request topics, please find me on Instagram at the period nude period attitude and on Twitter at underscore nude underscore attitude and on my website, thenudeattitude.com. I'm Madeline Gregg. Hope you keep coming back for more.